We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into The Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property. Be free. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, Shane, as news are calling, um, real quick rundown. Um, you guys, if you can hear me, drop those emojis because I don't want to talk and have to start all over again <laughs> like we have in the past. Yeah, we're good? Great. We have Shane in the house, everyone. He is running for governor of California, not California. Dude, I am so sorry. Georgia. He's running for governor of Georgia, where Abrams is at, where Kemp is at. And uh, he decides to run as libertarian. Um, and I know people may have some kind of different thoughts on libertarians, but Shane's a good one. And I think once y'all get to know him tonight, you will definitely see that. Um, do us a, a big favor and all your other platforms. Make sure y'all share the show, please. And thank you. But Shane, hey, I'm so glad you got to make it. You can unmute your mic. I saw it unmuted for a second there. It's going to be in the right-hand corner. You're going to see some emoji. And then you have like a little speaker thing. You can unmute it. And then you can be able to speak from there. But while we're waiting for that, I'll keep talking about Shane for a second. Um, so one of the things I noticed, like I, I follow Shane. I love a lot of things he talks about. He's a fighter for the people. Um, he's not about being corrupt. Um, I'm quite sure he may have had a probably similar relationship that I had with the Republican Party. Um, and so I also want to point out real quick, too, I saw that when Marley Ta Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene reposted him and was not very happy about him running against Republicans and saying that he was going to take votes away. And I think we need to stop that mindset. We need to start voting on what we want. This is like this loyalty to parties and stuff has been a big issue. It's a big problem in our country. These people, these parties have been in power for over a hundred years, both of them. And they keep pointing fingers back and forth at each other, blaming each other for the problems here. At the end of the day, we're going to have to have some common sense and realize they're both the problem. And we're going to have to do something else. But Shane, I saw your mic on mute. I think you're good now. Yeah. Hey, hey, Donnie. Thanks for having me in. Really appreciate it. Hey. I, uh, I kind of caught your intro there. I appreciate it. I kind of picked up where you said uh, I, I might have some uh, common 
uh, ground with you with our interactions with the Republican Party. Uh, and yeah, I, I imagine um, if you're an outsider, kind of like myself, then uh, you were somewhat ostracized. Yes, absolutely. They literally, um, in Texas, there's a, it's a nonpartisan um, at local elections because I ran for mayor. So what they would do is look at your primary voting record to kind of figure out where you stand. They they supported and pushed someone who had the cop, the Marine um, status, donated apparently to both sides, he says. And he clearly hated Trump, honestly, um, based off the things I shared. But he had a Democrat voting record. Um, it's funny because they they had posted, um, oh, Arlington, Texas, got a Republican mayor. I don't know why you thought that. Because he, he was like one of the only white guys are in? Or what is that? Because he's not. And then he literally went to the White House taking pictures with Biden. Talking about, oh, I had a great time with President Biden. And he even said after the whole time at the White House that, Hey guys, I'm I'm texting y'all. Y'all know this really Republican there, but I, I'm I'm not a Republican. I'm more of a moderate Democrat. Like you guys, y'all literally put in a Democrat for the mayor because you didn't do your own research. Like you had the list of everyone, regardless if you're not getting mailers, regardless if you're on the news, we have to take the initiative to go and do our own research first. And a lot of times, people like Shane. Or um, Aaron uh, Sorrells or uh, Philip Drake, who are running for office, they're in these rooms talking to us. They don't even matter how big the rooms are. They're in here talking to us. Those other people are not going to do that. But uh, go ahead, Shane. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. That was my um, introduction for you. Yeah, so um, I'm, Sh I'm Shane Hazel, for all of you guys that may not know me. Um, I grew up down here in Georgia. I'm from Michigan originally. Uh, moved down here when I was a kid. Uh, went to, to school. It was kind of where the suburbs meet the sticks, uh, northeast of Atlanta, probably about 30, 45 minutes in, you know, the, or I guess the mid-80s. Um, and it kind of just grew up pretty normal life. It was, uh, I had great family, great, you know, younger brother, great parents. My grandparents were around. Uh, really had one of those, uh, you know, childhoods that the I guess you'd probably just unparented parented all that stuff in the 1980s it was just absolutely awesome um after 9-11 I was in um my third year of school I was going into just finishing up my third summer uh and going into my fourth year out at West Georgia University when um the when 9-11 happened and so I dropped everything I knew college would be there uh when and if I got back and ran off to the United States Marine Corps uh went into First Force Reconnaissance Company, which at the time was the premier special operations uh, unit inside the Marine Corps, uh, did a couple of deployments, uh, obviously the, the initial invasion into Iraq, and then I went back. Uh, that was March of 2003 uh, that we went in, and then obviously I was back over there June, July of 2004 through uh, the end of February 2005. And on that deployment, uh, some things started to, to change for me in terms of what I thought uh, America was doing overseas. Uh, the, the initial invasion, you know, we were in and I thought it was going to be over uh, when we left in May the first time. And then uh, we went back, we got into a fight with the Mahdi militia, took Najaf in, uh, I guess it was August of 2004. Uh, in 2005, we are in, 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 I guess it was late October, we got called up uh, to go after that uh, to uh Fallujah after Najaf and that was a huge fight I mean that was the second battle of Fallujah house to house 
And that was that was where my eyes were kind of really, really opened as to kind of what we were doing overseas. Um, the we we had been in some fights earlier. Um, one of them uh, being the Joff. We had to watch the the Mahdi militia surrender in the Imam Ali shrine, uh, and the Mukata uh, Al Sadr, uh, and who was the uh, Shiite cleric who we were actually supposed to be there helping. Uh, we were fighting with his Mahdi militia, and the Grand Ayatollah Sistani came in uh, with him and brokered a peace deal with some bureaucrats from the United States. And we had to watch all these dudes that we were fighting just walk out. And, you know, they killed Marines, injured Marines. And I, at that point, I just kind of had some questions of, of like, what the hell are we actually doing here? Um, in Fallujah, after we got done, uh, it was probably early December uh, by the time we got clearing, uh, done clearing the city and went back and I found this interesting book. Uh, one of my buddies had put it on my, my, my bed and it was a, uh, it was a book by this guy named John Taylor Gatto. Um, and he's absolutely one of the most amazing um, guys that ever lived. He tells the story of where education in America came from uh, and that it came from Prussia in the 1700s. This is very, very progressive stuff. Um, Horace Mann uh, brought it over to the United States in the mid 1800s and he writes about how it was implemented to create a very homogenous society that was good little workers and, and good little soldiers so that, you know, you had enough education to do what the government told you and pay the government, uh, you know, the, the taxes that they wanted uh, and go off and die in the wars that they wanted to fight. And so when I read through this and I realized, you know, holy crap, uh, I'm halfway around the world doing what my country has conditioned me to do uh, and, and really see all the holes in it from, you know, the banking cabal to the military industrial complex uh, to the higher echelon in the military, just being yes men and politicians, uh, you know, and, and obviously the, the bureaucracy and the bureaucrats and the, the just the grift and the greed and, and everything else, uh, the photo ops, it was, it was disgusting. Um, and, you know, made the rest of my time, uh, getting out, you know, longer. Uh, I got out in late 2005, went back to school. And from there, um, I really kind of started hitting the books again. I found a lot of the, uh, Federalists pretty much memorized the constitution and became a, a constitutionalist until I found the anti-Federalists. And then I found like Lysander Spooner. And then I found Austrian economics, which just, totally pushed me into anarchy um, and, you know, volunteerism. And it's just been this evolution of, you know, you know, learning and doing and then sharing and teaching and then fighting again. And so uh, it's, it's gotten to the point where I ran as a Republican in 2018, I primaried a guy who was a 50% constitutional uh, voter in, in the house. His name was Rob Woodall. He's no longer there anymore. Um, I told him if, you know, he had ever, you know, if he didn't improve his voting record that I was going to come back and make sure that he lost no matter what. And he quit uh, preceding that. And then uh, I guess 2020, I ran for U.S. Senate down here in the uh, in Georgia and uh, obviously sent this thing to a runoff. I didn't raise any money. Uh, I got 115,000 votes, 2.3 percent of the vote and, um, you know, didn't do it with any money, just just messaging and in my show uh, Radical. And uh, now I'm running for governor down here. Uh, we've got Brian Kemp and, and David Perdue again. Um, you know, I, I guess he likes getting beat up. But uh, between those two, you know, there's there's not a good 
you know, there's not a, there's not a person that's fighting for the individual. There's not somebody that understands economics. You know, all, all we have in Georgia between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp and David Perdue is a bunch of people that are, you know, basically brought up and molded in the, the, the system that they were taught about, you know, growing up as kids and, you know, then obviously propagandized and brainwashed with um, over the years. Uh, and they've got lots and lots and lots of fiat currency wrapped up in the system uh, that's about to implode. So it's going to be a, a very interesting um, 2022 down here again. And um, that's, that's kind of, you know, my little backstory. Far over there for you in Georgia. I feel like you must be making some good waves. If um, MTG feel like she needed to call you out and say that you're taking votes away from her party. Do you know how that was? Well, how did that come about? Um, so last year, you know, um, when when all of this went down in 20, or I should say 2020, uh, when all of this went down for the U.S. Senate race down here, um, I gained a lot of national publicity um, and, and kind of punched out, especially uh, within the Libertarian Party and the Republican Party in the state. You know, obviously. Um, it was it was a big deal for a guy not to spend a dime and get that kind of support uh, and, and be blacked out of the media and blacked out of debate and polling and everything else to have that kind of resonance with people is, is you know, something that people take notice of. And, you know, Marjorie um, is she's outspoken. She's a fighter. I'll, I'll definitely give her that. But I think, you know, what maybe stuck out was when I reached out to Purdue afterwards, you know, like I've never been a Democrat. Um, and, and so never voted for one, not to say that, you know, if a, a great one came along with the right principles, I wouldn't do it, but, uh, you know, I, I never have. And so I reached out to Dave, we had an hour long conversation off the record and I, I just gave him a laundry list. I said, Hey, you know, you've got 115,000 people in my audience that you can come and talk to. I'm going to give you an hour an open invite. Just come and give them some red meat. I don't care what it is. If it's ending the drug war, if it's criminal justice reform, if it's, you know, coming out and, and you know, pushing, you know, things like constitutional carry, what, getting them, you know, getting rid of the Patriot Act, all the things that, you know, we are supposed to, you know, love about, you know, the United States, the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights and all that kind of stuff that, you know, Republicans purportedly hold on high um i said come give them some red meat you got an open invite and we had a you know it was a very cordial conversation uh but instead of doing that what they did the republicans did is they sent Rand paul to my show and i interviewed Rand for about an hour and we talked about a lot of things and i'll tell you during that show i didn't want to beat Rand up because you know Rand's one of the good guys up there i think in dc he's not a libertarian but he's definitely a lot more in line with the constitution than any of the, you know, most of the other senators, maybe minus Mike Lee, but um, you know, he, he came on and the only thing that he could told me to tell me about David Perdue when I asked him, I said, you know, why should I support David Perdue when he's got a 20% constitutional voting record and the Democrat, you know, is probably going to average about 20%. I mean, understanding that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has a higher constitutional voting record than David Perdue, the, the, the Republican. And all, all Rand could do was sit there and fuddle and thumb, and it's on YouTube. If you guys want to check it out, it's on my YouTube channel, um, uh, and, and basically say, well, if you vote David Perdue in and we have the 
presidency or we have the Senate, then I, as, as Rand Paul, will have more influence. And I was like, well, that's not a positive for David Perdue. That's a positive for you. That's a positive for some people, but that's not a positive for the state of Georgia. It's definitely not a positive for me. And it's not a positive, it's not something that I'm going to put my name in, in, you know, this political power right now, this kingmaker power that I have. I'm not going to put it behind, you know, just you. I'm not, I'm not going to endorse some guy so that he could, so that you have more power or more sway. So uh, David Perdue saw this whole thing unfold and, you know, we talked again and he said, I'm, I'm, I can't come on your show. And then he texted me and I said, I, I really wish you'd reconsider and he said, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I can't do it. After I saw what you did with uh, Rand Paul, there's, there's, there's nothing for me there. <laughs> I was just like, all right, man, I'm going to make this public. You know, I'm, I'm going to take a screenshot and I'm going to show everybody that you're declining an invite to come and, and give them something. Give them one issue. And that was it. I think, you know, the cowardice of David Perdue and the Republicans in that moment just really, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of stunk up the room. And I don't know if I can cuss on your show, but like it's, it's one of those things where I think the, the extreme weakness and the lack of ideas and the bloviating and the he said, she said, pointing at people, nobody taking responsibility, nobody with any real solutions was, you know, just sucked the, sucked the air out of the room. And John Ossoff, after that, um, walked off with the nomination. So, you know, it's, I, I think that's probably what led Marjorie to come out and say, yeah, you know what, this guy ran for Senate and he's going to do something again as the governor. So, you know, you might want to start listening to this guy. Absolutely. You know, when you had posted that tweet, that's when I was like, come on my show, please. I actually basically quoted your, your tweet in the description um, the government will never, ever be under control. Government will never be constitutional. The government will never be responsible. And because Bitcoin exists, the government will um, not will now be replaced. So can you elaborate on that with us? Because um, I think that that's why, real quick, I told my mom today, who's in the audience, she's MF. Um, I was like, I hey, am with MF. <laughs> I love it. Hey, mama. <laughs> I said, I would really consider moving to Georgia if you became governor. I'm like, my mom's like, you've never really said that like that before. I said, mom, I will consider, I will not live in the city. I'll go live in the country. But like, yeah. I'm curious, like what you would do as governor, would you get rid of the state taxes? Like, what would you do for, for Georgia, you know, and how to make it a better place? You have a beautiful state. And it's been ran by corruption for a really long, a really long time. So what were you talking about there? And like, what would you do for uh, Georgia? Yeah, I I guess I can maybe um, sit here and address that tweet a little bit. Like what what we've seen under like the the government's never going to be under control. Um, What I mean by that is, you know, we we have a real I mean, the biggest problem you could possibly have is we have the banking cabal intertwined with the government you know it's like separation of church and state the problem is is the state has become its own church its own religion and it owns the money that it can digitize out of nothing so when you control money you could you don't care who controls the law and i think it was one of the rockefellers that said that you know paraphrasing so to speak so what you have is this 
you know, this unholy alliance where if you're playing ball and you want, you're doing what the very elite people who make the money want you to do, then you're in. And if you're not, you're out. Is you have to separate money and state first and foremost. Uh, secondly, you know, it's never going to be constitutional. As a guy that learned and loved and understood the Constitution, like I understand this probably better than 99% of people that are out there, like kind of autistically memorized it and the mechanics of how it works. Um, I had a great teacher. Her name was Chris Ann Hall. And if you guys don't know Chris Ann, she is absolutely still one of my favorite people on this planet. She's amazing. Um, but to understand also that there's this guy named Lysander Spooner who has a, an amazing quote. Uh, that says, um, but whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain that it has either authorized such a government as we have had, or it has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. And to that point, that, you know, like to, to have all of your heroes and all of these myths that you were told come and hit home, like it hurts, guys. Like I, I understand, like the, the feeling of being duped and lied to but you got to understand like i said earlier with john taylor gato like they got you at five years old and they put you in government youth indoctrination camps until you were 18 and maybe at that point you were already digesting their propaganda maybe you thought you had to pick sides maybe you went on to higher education and got more propaganda like i had to relearn the anti-federalists and i had to study them and understand why they didn't want to be centralized and they didn't want to be centralized First of all, because of banks and the guys at the top of very evil corporations uh, and industry, and then the bureaucrats and the politicians. Like they knew that they were going to centralize power and it was going to be another layer of government that fed off of the resources of the good producers, the innovators, the, the people who were changing the world for the better. And so, you know, obviously divorcing ourselves from the, these ridiculous institutions that didn't work. And then you've got, you know, injustice, you know, nobody's going to ever be responsible. Um, we see time after time after time, these charade trials before Congress. I mean, people flat out get convicted of lying and perjuring themselves to Congress. You I mean, you look at Eric Holder, Lois Lerner, John Koskogen, um, I mean, the entire slew of people who brought forth the, you know, the, the, the Trump, uh, you know, I guess, presidency in terms of Mueller and the, the entire deep state. Like you look at all of these people who sit there and they lie their asses off to Congress and the American people and nothing ever happens. So there's there's no there's no responsibility. And so when you have power without responsibility, like you just you just. You, you spiral out of control. So what do, what will I do if, if I could possibly beat this rigged voting system in Georgia, if it was just a landslide and everybody found out and something went viral and people were like, yes, this is our guy. Day one, everybody who is in prison or jail for nonviolent offenses is being released. One of the biggest problems we have in this country is nonviolent people peaceful people have been attacked. They've been arrested. They have been caged. They have been killed. They have had their communities destroyed. And I don't care if you're, you live in urban areas, suburban areas, or rural areas, like the system feeds off of poor people that don't know their rights and they don't have any idea how to fight the system. That that's our system. 
So first and foremost, you get rid of that. You start doing uh, things like um, uh, criminal justice reform. So getting rid of qualified immunity for one thing, uh, holding people accountable that wear badges. Uh, you know, obviously you, you can't act out there, but then you have to also make those guys safer in terms of getting rid of the war on drugs. And this is one of those things, like I used to be a guy that was like, yeah, don't do drugs, man. It's against the law and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's going to destroy the society. And then I had my mind changed. It's like, if you're over there and you're, you know, doing whatever drug it is, I don't care as long as you're not hurting people and you're not taking their stuff. The crime happens when you either assault somebody, rob somebody, kill somebody. That's the violent crime. The drugs aren't the crime. You know, anybody, you know, who's an adult who's, you know, going to use cannabis, I don't care. If you want to use mushrooms, I don't care. I really don't care what you do as long as you're not hurting anybody and taking their stuff. Uh, so day one, like this is this is what I really want to have done. Um, I also want to change our currency. Uh, I want us to to separate the government and our currency, and that's Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin's an entire episode, <laughs> so I won't go too deep into it. I think there so is a, a, have to come back for I don't know much about Bitcoin, so you're going to definitely have to come back and talk about that with us. And that will sure. probably make you're talking a lot now. Then that's good because it's about you. Uh, but like, I want to make sure in the next we come, you come back again. You'll probably talking again because I don't know hardly anything about Bitcoin. I I feel like I feel like it's been a trend, and I'm always skeptical of trends. So you should be. Yeah. So I want to real quick. I want his points you said real quick. So when you were talking about um the prison systems and everything, right? Well, the Constitution. I think that the one problem with the Constitution will be the the Thirteenth uh, Amendment. Neither slavery nor involuntary solitude, except as a punishment for a crime, whereof the party shall have the duly convicted shall exist within the United States. So I'll read the rest, sorry. Or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So what they've done is make people criminals for things that are unconstitutional so they can have slavery because you have people in prison doing slave labor. So there's a way they've gotten around that piece of the Constitution. They, they deem you as a criminal, but they made up unconstitutional laws locally to arrest you and federally. Um, so what are, you, what are your thoughts about that? I feel like the, I like the Constitution, but I feel like there are some things that people have done to try to um, go around it to do what they want. Because how is America the most freest country in the world where we have the most incarcerated people across the globe? Yeah, so the the Constitution's obviously been extremely bastardized, and I'll, I'll point you guys to um, the this uh, effort that I started last year. It's called the Helios Initiative. The Helios Initiative is a uh, it, it uses the the Constitution as a tool to fight back the uh, the overreach of the government at every level, at your local level. And the the easiest thing to do is reach out to your mayors who are in charge of the local police forces and reach out to the sheriffs who are elected executives. So we this was set up to, you know, this this constitutional republic was set up to have three branches of government um, and each to be a check and balance on the other. What's happened, though, is the courts have kind of, you know, moved from third in the Constitution, you know, Article three to kind of like Article One, right? Like where they're just saying, this is kind of the mandates for the land and this is what we're going to allow and this is what we're not going to allow. So you have judicial overreach, which is a gigantic problem. 
You also have a Congress, which is completely out of control. The only way that the Constitution can ever be changed is through an Article 5 amendment process. And then if you get into Article 6, Section uh, – Article 6, Paragraph 2, anything not pursuant to the Constitution is void, is of no force. What they are of, of no force, and what they say is it's notwithstanding. So the standing is the Constitution. And so if it's not pursuant, so simple law, if it's passed just by the Congress without going through the amendment process, it doesn't actually change the Constitution, and therefore it is void. If they do something to usurp it uh, with judges, like uh, you know judicial review, that's also void. It is not pursuant to the Constitution. Executive orders, not pursuant to the Constitution, are obviously uh, notwithstanding. So you start to look at the the laws that are on the books from the federal government, like specifically, what you have is an usurpation problem. You have a, a this this problem there. People don't understand the Constitution, and what you get into is just political will. At that point, you can do whatever the hell you want, and it's going to be unconstitutional. You look at our you know the constitutional republic now. We are a banana republic bordering on despotism, like complete despotism after the past two years. So when when I see, you know, our ability to engage with our sheriffs and with our mayors and police chiefs at the local level and present them with a one page summary of Article five and Article six and their oath to the Constitution, which is also Article six, paragraph three, and say, hey, man, they didn't they didn't change the law at the federal level. And they didn't amend the Constitution. And just to give you an example, you know, I know a lot of times people get hung up with libertarians and cannabis and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, yeah, you guys are just a bunch of Republicans that like to smoke dope. Um, but here's it's an easy example to draw. When they prohibited alcohol in the United States, they passed an amendment. And then when alcohol prohibition was to be ended, they passed another amendment. They never did that with any other controlled substance. They just took it as a power. And said, "This is what we're going to do from here forth." They didn't pass a, you know, a, a Bureau of the Interior amendment. They just started doing law enforcement inside of the United States at the federal level, which they were never supposed to do in the first place. And so, if you can push back um, through the Helios Initiative, you know, go out and, and, and review it. It's on the website. You can, you know, copy and paste the stuff. Um, and that's what it's meant for, is for you and, and people in your area to go and have conversations with your sheriffs and mayors uh, to start pushing back. So you can push back on gun control. You can push back on the war on drugs. You can push back on civil asset forfeiture. And and for you guys, like I had a win here last year when I stood this up. Like we got rid of civil asset forfeiture here in Holly Springs, Georgia. We got rid of it. It's gone. They don't take any money. They don't do civil asset forfeiture. They don't take any federal money or state money uh, for Holly Springs Police Department anymore from civil asset forfeiture. And so we're working on a, a whole bunch of things. But that's one huge way where you can actually fight back and start removing all of this government from you know the, the police and the sheriffs that actually enforce it in your area. Speaking of that, you know, good and well, I'm going to bring it up because I sent you a screenshot. But can you do me a favor while I talk about this? Can you put the links and the so if you look at the, the the show, you'll see like a little person emoji and then next to it is like a little message thing is a live chat. So if you put the links in the live chat, people can um figure out and go to your website for you running for governor and what you're talking about now. Um so you'll be they'll be able to find that. 
And then once you do that, I will add it to the, um, the, the summary for this as well. I can edit it and add that on here. So when people come back later and listen, they can find it. So, you know, I sent you a screenshot. Let me go ahead and make sure I read it correctly. Um, one of my buddies, I, Zeke is a great friend of mine. He's been a friend of mine for a while on Twitter. He didn't like that I agreed with something on there. And so let me just do this real, real quick. I understand that the, the law enforcement is supposed to enforce the laws that are created, but they also took an oath not to enforce unconstitutional laws. Amen. Now, I asked, I asked, I said, I haven't, oh, I'll skip that part. That doesn't matter. I said, during your training, were there courses on the Constitution or a test that you comprehended, yes or no? Um, was, it, uh, was it brought up at all? How are you supposed to uphold it if you don't know it? And I never got a response for that one, but there's a bunch of other responses for things. Um, I feel like people go into defense mode, and I and honestly, I get it. You know, you feel like you're a good cop. You're not out there, like, trying to do the crazy mass things. I get that. You're not doing all beating up people. You're not killing people. I get you. That's why you see yourself as a good cop. But for me, when you're enforcing unconstitutional laws and you turn into basically a salesman for the city and you're writing up tickets for things that are not constitutional and people have to, honestly, when you see a police officer, you should feel safe. Oh, protect and serve. But if you see a police officer, you first thing you probably do is check your thermometer, how fast you're driving. <laughs> so that that's not how we that's not how we should do. I think we could have a better community um, if we had cops to actually just enforce the um, um, only enforce constitutional laws, not the unconstitutional laws and uh, codes, penal codes, and things like that. And also, to the Constitution does hold you accountable for your actions as a police officer. Just because someone told you to do it or I'm just doing my job, you're still held accountable for what you do. And for me, to, I care so much about my community and the, those those cops are part of the community. I don't want you breaking the law and possibly at one point getting in trouble for what you're doing. So I think we have to, like, in a way, word it differently. I don't know if you're going to have to, if you if you became governor, that you require that the Constitution is what is enforced and not any of this extra baloney um, that they're pushing because you're sucking people dry. They're already paying uh, property taxes. They're already paying federal taxes. And, and, and Georgia, y'all are paying state taxes, too. And I don't know what y'all do county-wise or city-wise, but Indiana, you had to pay all those taxes. And so when you're sitting there looking on the side of the road to see someone's doing something bad, I have an issue with that. How come the, the, the these law enforcement agencies aren't holding the government accountable for the laws they break? It just seems like it's a tool to uh, attack and find and go after the people. And I say this too. They say there's a middle class. There's not. What we have is an elite, the ruling class, and you have everybody else. And who's the people who they target? So with a Ponzi scheme, America has a whole Ponzi scheme going on right now. But they lock in it for uh, zillion, was it trillions of dollars and Ponzi schemes going on. But you're going to arrest a guy and lose all his assets. His family has nothing anymore for billions of dollars. Well, you guys are worse than the, the guy you arrested and, and ruined his family and his life. He may have ruined a bunch of people's lives. Yes. I'm not saying he wasn't right, but he was wrong. But he was wrong. But so was the government. They're doing the same thing. 
So what do you yeah, think I, about, you know, if you would become governor, because that's the executive branch, just the yep. police department and stuff that'd be under you. Would you require that they govern, that they enforce laws based off the constitution versus their local penal codes? Um, and I don't like, I don't want to give you a political answer here. What I want to tell you is it's easier than that. It's easier than the constitution. The, 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 what we have to do is define crime, right? Crime is a act of trespass against another person and it requires violence. Um, you know, that, and I'm not going to say that if you're on somebody's property, you're like, you're trespassing as well. Like that kind of, that's, that's still violence. You're violating somebody's space. So those are the people that I'm going to be concentrated on. If you're a bad person, you know, rape, kidnap, assault, murder, uh, coercion, theft, vandalism, those are real crimes. Outside of that, there's not a whole lot of other like quote unquote real crimes, right? Um, when, when we start looking at the, the law enforcement branch, they have a absolute duty to not uphold unconstitutional laws. And, and that's, I mean, that's obviously one of those things where they're going to say, you know, you'll have pushback from the judicial and, and Congress, right? But that's your job is to stand like a brick wall and say, no, you know, any law that talks about firearms, I'm not, we're not enforcing it. It is their right to protect themselves. That's their, that's their individual birthright. It's their first right. It's to preserve their life. So we're not enforcing that. Um, are, we, are we taking property? You know, we have a big problem in America with civil asset forfeiture, which is a violation of Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendment. Like, we're not doing this kind of stuff anymore. Like, that's, all that stuff is over. We're going after really hard, really bad criminals. Um, getting rid of taxes to to that extent right like i don't want the police just defunded i want the police privatized if you look at you know privatization of police forces people are still going to pay for security right like it's on people's minds and what you get with that is a better service and a better effect to see if you consider as a community we like to be safe because of you that means you're not looking at us for extra revenue generation, like speeding, tags, you know, silly violations out there that are really just criminalizing peaceful people. So we got to get rid of all that. And you've got to get rid of the idea that we owe these people in government. We don't. We did, did you sign a contract? I didn't sign a contract. I didn't sign anything that says I'm allegiant to these thieves and murderers and bureaucrats and banking cabals. And, and awful people in, you know, extremely high positions in tech or corporate America. Like, I'm not with those people. I don't owe them allegiance. I definitely don't owe them, you know, the money that I, I bust my butt to make, right? Like, that's your money. So property tax, keep it. You don't owe the government for living on land, period. Income tax, you made the money. You should be able to spend it on what you want, period. Like, the government has absolutely nothing in there. Um, sales tax. I don't, I don't believe it. Like we have the saying in the libertarian party is taxation is theft, right? And it's more like strong armed robbery. Like if you, if you don't pay us, we're going to come after you. We're going to co coerce you until you give us the money or we reserve the right in the monopoly on force to kill you for not giving us money. Right? So we, what we have to start looking at is a different paradigm, a paradigm that we were never exposed to in the government indoctrination camps. 
and that is privatizing anything and everything that we want in terms of services. It, it happens all over the place. Like there are private communities with security forces. And what do they do? They don't arrest people for jaywalking. They don't arrest people for driving. They don't arrest people for cannabis. They don't do any of these kind of things. And those communities are better off because they're not in contention with the government in that respect. So getting rid and nullifying and decentralizing and possibly even seceding from the, the cabal that is D.C. is all on the plate here. I actually spoke about that plank uh, for the Libertarian Party uh, last year, and, and we adopted it as uh, the Georgia Libertarian Party. You know, secession is on the table. You guys have messed up at the federal level, and you've destroyed the Constitutional Republic. And when you destroy the contract, nobody in that contract is now going to be held to that contract. So we've got a we've got a whole lot of things on you know on the table. And at the end of the day, as the governor, I also get to pardon people. So I don't care if they arrest you for paying, you're not paying your taxes, you're getting set free. We're going to, we're just going to say, you know, carte blanche. If you're nonviolent, you're out. If you go before a judge and he tries to convict you, you're out. See you later. Go home. And probably going to send my state police officers to go and arrest those judges, go arrest those police officers, go arrest those sheriffs, go arrest any federal agent or kick them out of our state for doing anything that violates the rights of the people. Shane, that sounds like Elko County. Have you heard about them? Tell me about it. That's Nevada. They had, this is how every place is supposed to be anyways. They say we're governed by the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and Declaration of Independence. Anyone who comes in here and tries to interrupt that or hurt anyone else, we're going to arrest you. That's what Elko County said, and that's actually Nevada. Yeah, and I mean, for your listeners, you guys all need to know about 18 U.S. Code 242. 18 U.S. Code 242 is the deprivation of rights under color of law. It is a felony. So anybody acting on the behalf of the government that deprives you of your rights that are not only enumerated but are not enumerated per the Ninth Amendment are in violation of a federal law. And it carries 10 years minimum for a violation. And anything that you know uh, aggravates the charge in terms of bodily harm or death, they can receive up to the death penalty for uh, violating your rights under the, uh, under the color of law. This is something that anybody and everybody should be talking about. And this is something that you need to, like, this is part of the Helios Initiative. When you guys take a look at that page and you, you know, grab one of those resolutions and you look down at the bottom, that's the teeth in the law system. When, when anybody from the government violates your rights under color of law, it is an absolute felony, and you need to be throwing that in everybody's face who is trying to deprive you of rights, sheriffs and mayors especially. Vote in the comment section for us, please, so that we can research and You know I will, and I will put it up. But we're going to get close to uh, in about three minutes. Uh, if you guys want to come up and ask Shane some questions, make sure you request uh, to be the next caller now. I'll pull you up. But... Um, I think that the Democrat Republican Party should be teamed, deemed as terrorist organizations. And what people say, well, what about the supporters? Well, you can't support a uh, terrorist organization. So I don't know if that's too extreme or not, but I think that based off of the Constitution and what both parties have done, 
to this country and what they've done globally, they should be deemed as terrorists and should be eliminated. Yeah, I've I've fondly picked up uh, and and adopted for them the the name the murder cult. Um, the, the the guys in the uh, anti-federalists were absolute prophets, and then the first like I think it's first four anti-federalist papers, they talk about this aristocratic combination, which I didn't think went far enough. Basically, you know, the, the banks, the bureaucrats, the politicians, and the tycoons in the industry. Yes, they are. Uh, anybody who's voting on these budgets that support the hijacking of Americans, first and foremost, uh, taking your money, uh, using a fiat currency to enslave you. That's terroristic uh, type activity. When you use the projection of force around the world without a declaration of war per the U.S. uh, US Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, that is a absolute gross genocidal genocidal mania, uh, megalomaniac type of behavior and those people need to pay the price it's like, it, you don't have a country if there's no justice and all of these people they are blood-soaked monsters save a few you know the Rand Paul the Thomas Massey's the Mike Lee's uh this uh Chip Roy guy and maybe a, a couple of others out there that are A-rated Republicans and everybody else they just go along to get along, and they fund it, and they never, ever, they don't read it. They don't look at it, and whether it is, I don't know, just something that they're okay with or not, or they're just negligent people, they need to pay the price. Yes, they are absolute terrorist organizations. They're a cult uh, that thrives on theft and murder of their fellow citizens, their fellow men and, and, and women and, and children that are peaceful people. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Real quick, um, he's brought Mike Lee a couple times. Um, please, uh, if you have if you don't like reading, get on a, an audible book or something of his. Mike Lee has taught me a lot of things. You know, when we talk about the delegates and they act like, oh, this is this country was owned by white people. No, it was Native Americans. There were black people. There was women. There were delegates that signed things um, for this country. That's not necessarily true. So you got to, he's a, his, he's very good with his history. He's very strong in the constitution. Make sure you read any kind of content or rhetoric that he has. Mike Lee is very good at our, um, articulating his, um, and educating people on that kind of stuff. He's the only one I've, I don't think I've ever heard him call us democracy like a Ted Cruz would. And my last question for you before we get to Cole, because, um, Cole's the only person that has requested and it's time for the request to come. But so as a libertarian, though, what about this groomer uh, situation we have going on? I know that, you know, Georgia's a state, FCC I was speaking about earlier. The FCC is not holding these um, TV shows and stuff accountable. Like we shouldn't have Cardi B, a stripper who drugged and robbed people on um baby shark whatever that show is whatever i don't have kids so i'm not really for sure uh what that show is but i'm seeing nickelodeon pushing um trans kids and things like that because everyone honestly for me i wanted us to protect all our kids but this is like agenda it's some an agenda and it's it's been pushed heavy recently and i understand like people have their rights and liberties but like with these kids they're this is this they're being targeted 
This is intentional. Nickelodeon's doing it. Disney's doing it. And I see Ron DeSantis get praised for things. And honestly, I can't get on the Ron DeSantis uh, train because they have red flag laws and I have not really heard him address them. Sure, they were there before he got in office, but did he address them? Did he get rid of them his, his first term? No, he did not. So I can't get behind people when you have red, red flag laws in your state. So he gets a lot of praise. I think by design, the media is trying to make him popular and that, and it's working because honestly, popularity is created by the media. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, if you look around America, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago when uh, people like, uh, God, who's <laughs> the guy that's banned from YouTube? It was like one of his first ones. Um, Alex Jones, you know, when he was saying, you know, our country is run by a bunch of pedophiles and, you know, elite pedophiles and all, you know, you're sitting there like, man, that guy's nuts. But like, then you figure it out, like, yeah, man, look around. Uh, you look at what's happened to Jeffrey Epstein and just Lane Maxwell. I mean, Will Smith got more publicity for slapping, you know, Chris Rock on stage a couple weeks ago than we ever heard about Ghislaine Maxwell, who was found guilty uh, in, in, in obviously in her trial. We didn't hear anything. Nobody else is the trial. Nobody else has been called forward. You look around at, you know, who's been indicted on some of those lists uh, because of that. You, you've got a, you, you've honestly got this murder cult that's run by elite pedophiles. And I, you know, I have no problem saying that whatsoever. Is Disney part of it? Of course they are. Are a bunch of uh, record labels part of it? Of course they are. Uh, Beyonce Knowles is named in it. Uh, Jay-Z is named in it. I mean, there is a plethora of people in Hollywood, in the, uh, in, in, in the government and everything <laughs> Will else. Will Smith like, was named all, in it. Yeah. They're all Will Smith was listed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when you look at you know, you know, what's going on. I mean, I'm not shocked by any stretch of the imagination. Is it maybe even more evil and sinister than I originally thought? Probably is. And and that's shocking. I mean, um, should they have the ability to communicate with your children? I think that's really kind of up to us as parents in, in a society, right? Like I'm not for censoring people. Like I want to know who these people are. And there are a lot of people like, yo, they should be banned. And that's like, well, you know, I look at what's going on on Twitter with people who are being silenced. And it's like, it's a very slippery slope. If people want to speak out, I want people to know who they are. I want to know who they are because people will tell you, you know, flat out, you know, I'm a pedophile. I'm a, you know, I'm into taxation or I'm into gun laws or I'm into whatever their kink is. Right. And you're just like, man, don't ban them. Let's just you know, have it out and see who they are and make sure that we don't forget who they are at the end of the day. So I, I think it's more along, you know, it, it, it's on us as the citizens of this country to probably reject uh, whatever it is in terms of service or, or products or whatever that these people are putting out. Um, and I think this is where, you know, Bitcoin really is going to even the even the whole playing field. Um, when when you look at all the wins, this uh, you know, peer-to-peer cashless system that's really just a decentralized algorithm is having, it's because nobody can control it. It's decentralized to the point where it doesn't care if you're a human being. It doesn't care if you're an alien. It doesn't care if you're gay, black, white, straight. It doesn't care about any of those things. 
It just says a, you know, it's, it's like a constitution that cannot be broken by anybody. And I think that's going to change the entire field here in the very near future. We're seeing uh, kind of this run up to it now, and it is, um, it's unstoppable. And I, I'd, I'd be happy to come back and talk to your audience about, you know, this, uh, you know, from a, from a jumping off standpoint at some point, because it is something that if there's one thing that you should get interested in, it's money. It is absolutely the most important thing right now with hyperinflation. Like it's happening. You're living, you're living through it. Get involved with some sort of Bitcoin group and find the Bitcoin maximums because Bitcoin isn't crypto and crypto isn't Bitcoin. Bitcoin is Bitcoin and crypto is crypto. It is completely different. Everything else is centralized and it has a board of directors and it can be manipulated by people and Bitcoin can't. If you learn one thing this year, learn Bitcoin. Um, real quick before we get to Cole, I'll say this. I think the big problem is that the people have said, no, we don't like this. So they stop watching it, they turn it off. And I don't think CNN would exist if the government wasn't funding these exactly. things. They're using our money to fund it. Because I think that these things that, that they're doing, that we turn it off. But some people are weak. Now, I only saw the clips from the, you know, from um, the Oscars. I didn't watch it. I didn't give them a view. Nothing like that. But when I'm sitting there, like, all you guys were talking about boycotting the NFL, and all y'all sitting there talking about the NFL all night long, you're giving them exactly what they want. You're giving them, we're giving them the attention that they want. Why do you think that the whole thing happened with uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock? Because they're not getting any views. It, it keeps going down and down and down and down. So these these things wouldn't exist anymore if we didn't have these um, um, criminals in our government funding it. We said no. The government says yes. Yeah. And the government is using these different entities like social media and stuff to censor. The government's not allowed to do that, but they're funding these platforms. They have fake um, political theater in Congress acting like they're mad at them. We have to stop paying. We have to stand up and say, stop spending our money on stuff that has nothing to do with us. We said no. We turned back on them. But you're, they're only alive still and have oxygen still because you guys are still giving them money. Yeah, it, it has to be an organized mass of, of, of people saying, we're not paying you guys anymore. We're not giving you any of our taxes. Uh, and we're done working for you. And, the, and honestly, uh, I don't know that that works, um, you know, unless you get a big enough number. And here's the other thing is, you've got a better chance right now of pushing and adopting and educating on Bitcoin that will destroy their system no matter what, so that they cannot and will not waste resources in terms of, you know, currency uh, where it doesn't exist. And, and this is a whole Keynesian versus Austrian economic problem. The, the Austrian side being, you know, what we as libertarians espouse and, and really that's our bedrock in terms of philosophy is Austrian economics. And if you guys are interested, there's a absolutely amazing place where you guys can go learn about this. It's called uh, Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org. It is an organization that teaches Austrian economics for free, and it is the place where you will learn more about how evil people have manipulated peaceful people forever. Uh, and then, obviously, um, when you guys are you know ready uh, to, to move into Bitcoin, Bitcoin is based in Austrian theory. So I w I'll tell you, you know, like I said before, if you're going to learn something and you're going to push something and you're going to get passionate about something, 
make sure it's Bitcoin right now because nothing that you're going to do in terms of fighting the government is going to have such an effect as taking away their money system, changing the paradigm completely to where you are a sovereign bank of your own and nobody can come and take your money from you. Absolutely. I have another question, but I'll hold it so Cole can go and Steve. So Cole, go ahead, speak loud and clear for us, please, um, so that you can ask Shane your questions and uh, spit out some things for us. Um, Shane, uh, uh, I grew up in Georgia now. I have been in Florida since COVID started, and I went to the Roosevelt Institute in Warmbrink, Georgia, and they taught me, what would you do with skilled trade jobs in Georgia and stuff like that? And Cole, Cole uh, uh, can you repeat that real quick? What would I do with what? Skilled trades. How can you build skilled trade workers in Georgia? Skilled trades. So, so trade. He's asking about the trades. Yeah. Trade, trade, right? Like welding, CNC, CAD, auto. Yeah, I, I, I'm having a, a real tough time understanding you, Cole, and I apologize. That's, uh, that's my, that's my, yeah, I, I, I got you. I got you guys. So he's asking about um, bringing trades back to Georgia. Like, okay, everyone yeah. been pushing these universities, right? But trade schools are, they were big, but they started to turn extinct. And now we have these employers looking for people they want to hire. And like, whoa, these people don't even qualify. And then the people yeah, are it, complaining about these student loans. So the, yeah, so that's where he's going. It, it's all, it's obviously all part of the, the bigger plan, right? Is you got to knock America down. You've got to make America susceptible. You got to put a vacuum in America for things like engineering. When, when you look at good qualified, you know, people for trade schools, what you have to do is you have to unregulate the education market. You have to get government out of education. When they started, doing loans for college, they didn't ever talk about trade school. They never did any of that kind of stuff because they didn't want people to be independent. They didn't want people to have skills. They didn't want people here to be able to do that so that they could influx this country with, with people from other nations, right? And so what you have to do is you just have to get government out of the way. People will naturally and have to naturally trade with each other. They have to learn skill sets that are important. In, in terms of economics, and you look at, you know, these kids that are taking on fifty, sixty, dollars $150,000 worth of debt in school studying, like, underwater basket weaving and women's studies and things like that, that's a poor economic choice because at the end of it, there's no market that's going to pay back that money at the end of the day that they, they took out in terms of a loan. So basically, get rid of the incentive in the government, you know, funded, uh, you know, loans for college, and I guarantee you this this, this the system, the market will start to write itself and fix itself because you'll start to see demand and you'll also start to see where people are, you know, where they need jobs. So, you know, that's the thing is, you know, if, we, if you have a vacuum in terms of 
engineers or welders or other trades out there, you know, within, you know, within Georgia, that's going to naturally going to, it's going to bring people in here because what's going to happen is the, the pay for those qualified skill positions is going to go through the roof. When you start to see, you know, a demand on, uh, on the economy for those people, then what you're going to see is very well-paid skilled labor. That's, that's the, the, this is all, you know, basic economics where the market uh, writes itself. Yes, and of course, I got a YouTube channel started, Donnie, um, that I can bring you on and promote you that way, too. Yeah, he does have a channel, too, Shane. So I I guess, um, uh, Shane, also, can you please put your YouTube channel in the link, uh, the, the comment section, too, so people can subscribe to it and then listen to all your other content? Um, but Cole, I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to get to Steve next. Let me get to these comments real quick first. They've been sitting there waiting. Um, Six Black Thor. I'm a nurse. I never used a trade, but ended up being in media. Um, LOL. Um, someone said underwater basket weaving. <laughs> yeah, poetry. Yeah, he's talking about these, these, these uh, um, indoctrination um, certifications. Ice Judge says the Mrs. Caucus is the only hope I see in the Libertarian Party. I'll let you go ahead and say and uh, speak on that because I know um, Carolyn, Dr. Carolyn, is uh, was, has been discussing that because there's been people who like have infiltrated the party and they seem very much so like Democrats. And, and I feel like I, I heard them, the Mrs. What he's talking about that caucus has been fighting that. So go ahead and uh, speak on that, please. Yeah, so I'm actually part of the Mises Caucus, and you know some of the some of the larger names you're going to hear in here are Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Scott Horton, um, Michael Heist is the the brains behind the Mises Caucus, and yes, we are the fighters. We are the people, the the Ron Pauls, uh, the Ron Paul Ron Paul Revolution. We're the Austrians. Uh, Jeff Dice is another one that runs the Mises uh, Institute down there in Auburn that I was talking about earlier uh, for economics. Yeah, the, the Mises Caucus has come in since 2018. We've put this together uh, and, and really swelled our ranks and taken over pretty much every Libertarian Party in every state across this nation in that time because of the messaging. And it, it is very hard knuckle uh, in your face. Like we're we're done. You know, we're we're a bunch of alphas. And I mean, that's males and females. And we're we're done with the corruption. We're done with the sissiness. We're done with the. Uh, you know, my feelings and all this other, you know, nonsense that is the, you know, what has been the LP for a long time. You know, the, the LP kind of um, after, you know, Ron Paul was kind of out of the picture, kind of got stymied. They got a whole bunch of uh, what I think is probably uh, undercover agents uh, that have infiltrated the party. They took over the what they called the LNC, the Libertarian National Committee, which is kind of like the GOP or the DNC um, at the national level of a party. And we outed these people. We had our chair had earlier corruption. And so what you're going to see in May of, of this year is we're going to Reno for our national convention, and there is going to be a Mises takeover of the entire LNC, the entire board, the members at large, and then every other. So messaging is about to start hitting people in 
from the Libertarian Party. And it is going to be epic. And I mean, absolutely awesome. If you guys are interested, um, you can you can find out more at uh, Mises.org. Uh, the, the, uh, the guys over at Mises, I mean, we're everywhere. You, if you need to try to get in contact with whoever your state organizers are, let me know. Um, I can put you in contact. I'm kind of, uh, you know, I don't have a huge following, but I've got a big enough following where, you know, I'm kind of, you know, one of their, their leading voices, especially down here in the South. Uh, for, for making people activists, for putting people in you know positions and, and doing things. Like if you're ready to get to work and you're ready to start messaging, uh, the Mises Caucus is absolutely where freedom is is resting these days. And I should say fighting. Um, it is a group that is absolutely unhinged for freedom right now. Awesome. Thank you. Real quick. Uh, there's a guy on the um, on this same platform. His name is Justin Amish. Is he a part of that or no? No. Just, so Justin Amash, uh, former congressman out Amash. of Michigan. He, yeah, he's a, he, I mean, I consider Justin and I are friends. Um, he's a good enough guy. He He's a new libertarian. And I, and uh, let me maybe a good second um, on this one. <laughs> what what possesses somebody to go from being like myself, you know, this guy that runs off to war as a Republican to an anarchist? And it's time and effort in, in studying no kidding truth that we've been deprived of. Don't think that overnight a lot of these ideas are going to sit with you. You're going to have to read some people. But when you read them, that truth has a way of burning through all the indoctrination that you were ever given. Right? It's gonna, you're going to be able to hold two ideas in your mind at one time and decide what's the better idea. Now, that's one of those things where we're coming to you from, an, from a place of, you know, uh, intellect, not a place of force and coercion. We don't want to, uh, to force you into our system. We don't even really want a system. We just want you to live a peaceful life and transact with people through consent. So the, the, this, uh, you know, Justin Amash, he's new to, to libertarianism, but he is moving in the right direction. In years to come, Justin Amash might be really, really good about libertarianism. Right now, he's just getting his feet wet. So I'll take it. You know, he's he's on his way. He's a former congressman. He's joined the Libertarian Party. He's doing good things. Um, he's not all the way, you know, where I'm at. So maybe he might be one of those people that you guys find um, a little easier uh, to digest for a while until you start getting through some of these, you know, subjects like Austrian economics and the anti-federalists and, you know, the, the guys that uh, are, you know, the Hayeks and the, the Mises and the Rothbards and, and those people that are, you know, absolute, you know, treasures within the Mises caucus. Like these are all great resources for you guys. Definitely. And by the way, I would go ahead and uh, consider, cause he's one of the top people on this, on this platform. Um, if you are friends, like hit him up and then you'll maybe, cause he has like shows and he has hashtags of who he brings on. Um, he should have you on. You're running for governor and he should have you on here. He's a bigger audience than I do here. I, I just, this is my, this is my third week on Colin. <laughs> so I would, I would definitely, uh, reach out and have him have you on his also. I would definitely listen to that. I, I don't follow too many shows on here cause I don't, I don't really listen to commentary too much because I want to go to the source. I don't want to, if you come yep. to me um, for the answers, I don't want to repeat to you someone else's commentary. 
So I will sit there and listen to uh, the Congress do their their bullcrap, and it's painful. It's painful to watch. But and actually try to read. If if it's not a thousand pages, I I may have not read it if it's that long. But if I read like the 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 decriminalization of weed, the the eight nine pages for them, I read that. And Thomas Massey brought it to our attention, like, y'all need to read this because this is not what they're telling you it is. They had the hemp bill for farmers and everything. It was one page. So we we have to um, look at different options. I didn't necessarily look at Justin's stuff quite yet, but I, I wanted to ask you, since we were talking about the Mises Caucus and everything, um, if he's a good person to check out, because I don't like listening to people's commentary because I don't want to repeat what they're saying. The only people I really listen to for the most part, I do listen to the Hodge Swings, but honestly, they don't influence my mindset. I listen to Anthony they're Brian funny. Logan. They're hilarious and they're fair. They don't fall under the line like, okay, when someone gets shot or something, they say, well, I think the cop kind of messed up that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where everyone else will be like, nope, nope, we're going to stand your ground and we're going to support the fact that the cop shot somebody. And so... Yeah. For me, I, I like Anthony Brian Logan. Um, do I agree with everything he says? No, but for the most part, I he says the right things. But um, so it is a chick I listen to. Her name is Mob Radio. She's more of an entertainment commentary person, but she's been censored heavy because she goes against big artists. Um, she's lost her Twitter account a couple times because of the big artists and their power and how they can get rid of people they don't like. Um, commenting on them, and yes, she does. She's not a conservative, by the way, you guys. I, I would suggest y'all to go listen to her podcast because a lot of times I'm like, I'm in the comment section. Quit talking about Trump. You're just talking. You you just source. You just source CNN. It's fake news. Like that stuff would bother me. But when it comes to other things, like she will bring that to the table. But for the most part, I don't listen to commentary anymore. I feel like I've, I've outgrown them. Um, because I do my own research, my own everything, because I don't want to tell you guys something and want y'all to believe something if I did not do my own research in it. That's my name. I'm putting my name on that. But uh, unless you have any other comments on that, Shane, we'll throw up Steve and Lance next. Hi. Um, well, Shane, um, I'm not from Georgia, but I'm from Chicago, Illinois. So, you know, it's uh, always been a um, Democratic grand state. But um, my first question, to get to the point, um, I have two questions. But the first one is your thoughts on civics that was in schools, and would you bring it back to schools? Uh, no, I, I honestly, I would get rid of all government indoctrination camps all uh period there, there's there's no place for it uh it, it's when, when government has control of education uh government is going to pump out what government wants and that's obedient people that's people that pay taxes that's people that will do whatever they say run off and fight wars and do horrible things around the world and, and to each other um you got to get government out of education you know when when they got government out of uh, church. The same thing should have been done for everything else. Government in and of itself is a cult. It is a religion and it has to be stopped. Uh, so uh, civics doesn't need to be taught by government. Uh, the only thing you're going to get is more government when government teaches civics. 
So real quick, so Shane, do you think it's the parents' responsibility then to teach their, their children the the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence? I feel like I, if I, we're going to have – go ahead. Yeah, I, I think there's a private market solution. Um, you know, I, I think there's a – you know, whatever track you want your children to be on or whatever track your, your kids are, you know, most geared towards. And let's face it, like kids are different. My kids are different. We homeschool. Um, and I can tell you right now, the benefit of homeschooling is, is not something that's even tangible. It's not something I can put into words. And it's so like, I went to, I went to government school guys. Um, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, I wasted so much of my youth learning things that I didn't need to learn and not learning things that I really wanted to learn or didn't even know that were out there. Um, you know, this is, this is another private market solution. This is not a government solution. Uh, the, the private market has all these, you know, niches. And when you start to let economic forces and price signals work, what you get is very fine-tuned fine um, services and goods that actually benefit the market instead of, you know, come in uh, through the monopoly of force and take it, you know, through force and coercion. So it, there's it, it's a private and a, and a home solution for sure. And to be fair too, um, a lot of the things I know now and that I talk about guys I preach on, that was self-education. You know, I have, I would have my curriculum and everything, but I would always, I'm always like, I got to go above and beyond. I want to have the best paper, this and that. So I, I actually took um, in college, I took American government, um, Texas government, um, I took American History 1 and 2 in the same semester, all A's. Um, and I will say this, too. Only one of them I had less than 100%. That's because I did not get 100% on my tests and my history class because he used the word spirits instead of alcohol because I didn't know what spirits were. <laughs> so I thought it was like a bogus uh, answer. But um, so... In the day, I think most of us have self-educated ourselves better than we have ever gotten any kind of education. So I can see where Shane's coming from with that. Um, Steve, what was your second question? Okay, well, um, it's about the illegal alien or illegal immigrants that are entering our country. And since I'm in Chicago, you know, our governor and mayor are saying that they will stand, um, back them. Um so it basically, where do you stand on that, on, you know, illegals entering our country? And what will you do in, as governor in Georgia? Yeah, so the, the first thing is that the federal government, is, you know, is obviously dropped the ball and it's huge. Um, what we believe in as libertarians uh, is property rights. First and foremost, property rights. So everything's an imaginary line on a map for a government. Um, for you... You work a land, you put time and effort into it, you, you blood, sweat, and tears, money, everything that you have into property. Whoever is on your property better be invited there. Now, if a group of you want to get together and say, hey, you know, this is who's allowed on our property and who's not allowed on our property, and this is, you know, what we're going to abide by in terms of our own little constitution, that stands. Um, in terms of a state being all-powerful and being able to, you know, close borders, like I to think about the manpower that it would take to stop everybody at the imaginary borders of Georgia or any other state for that matter is absolutely insane. This is this comes back to the original idea of 
the, uh, the, the founders of the state, not the U.S. Constitution, and they are vastly different. Uh, these are the anti-federalists, and what they thought was, we are, we're going to need workers. We're going to need immigrants. We're going to need people here. Um, and what you saw during that time was people that were being run out of other countries that were welcome in the United States, but they came here and they worked. There wasn't any handout problems. And that's one of the biggest things is you get rid of the incentive to come here and leech off of the system. Um, and immigration pretty much solves itself overnight. Uh, when you've got paying productive members of society that are you know, coming into your area that are invited in to do a job by a business. That's a completely different thing than somebody who can be here and live off of other people for not contributing to society. So again, you got to get rid of the welfare state. And uh, that's, that's the biggest thing you could do first and foremost uh, to stop the, the mass migration uh, from, you know, other parts of the world to the United States uh, that's, that's been just absolutely crushing us. Uh, and, uh, Donnie, I got I got time for about one more question. I got to go and get these kids in bed, and uh, I got to be off to the Bitcoin conference tomorrow morning Th- that's down in Miami, right. super early. Darn it! I was going, Lance, Lance, get your butt back up here, because you've been waiting for a long time, and I want you to ask your question. You're the only person who hasn't spoken yet. I've actually never heard from you before, but Lance, please come back up here. He has one minute left. Um, on yeah, that too, I'll it's take like. One more question what, from Lance. All right, well, thank you, um, Shane. Of course, Steve. Thank you so much for that. Lance, come back. And um, if you don't pop back up, I can't I can't add you because it'll make – there you go. There you go. Okay, Lance, here we go. All right, Lance. Back to the original page and back. It's glitchy, this uh, this app, but it works pretty good. Anyway, yeah, so, you know, generally, I have very strong, I wouldn't say let's go back to states right, but I read a really interesting article where the third word of the preamble, we the people, as opposed to we the several states, that was debated. And that, he said by the third word, it meant it was going to be a top-down, federal, you know, imposed, authoritarian, et cetera. So I'm with, I'm with uh, uh, Shane on, uh, the person, the host, Shane on that. Now, as far as, Libertarians, I agree with half of what they say, and I disagree with the other half. The economics, no, but the, the you know free speech rights and you know all that civil rights and all, or you know uh, yes, uh, they're great on. Now, when you look at the founders, first of all, I don't think that Alexander Hamilton or George Washington or any of the Federalists, let alone the anti you know the anti-Federalists. Wanted there to be Amazons and Microsofts and a big, huge conglomerate like that. I just don't believe it, even though they did kind of, you know, create capitalism. Oh, and speaking of anti-federalists, there's a great book by a guy I live in Syracuse from Syracuse University called The Anti-Federalist Papers. It's great. Ketchum, Professor Ketchum. Great book. But. Thank you. Do you have a question for Lance? I'm sorry, well, for Shane. Well, I guess the question would be, like, for instance, I think there should be six or seven parties. And I think some of them want, want strong welfare states, some want weak ones. Now, I will say this, as far as my Democratic progressive friends don't like to hear this, but 
just like NAFTA, the promise of welfare in the 60s was it's going to be a temporary thing because what we're going to do is we're going to make sure education, we're going to get people with housing and we're going to get them into goods and we don't have to bust them anymore. And we're going to create like better educated people and it didn't work out. And you have multi-generational welfare. What I'm suggesting is without unions, and I don't know how you feel about the new Amazon union that was from bottom up. It was workers created it. There's no way you're going to compete against Amazon. We haven't raised the minimum Democrats to the minimum wage from 725. So in other words, if you can't work 40 hours a week at a regular job and pay your basic rent and utilities and have a, then you got to have welfare. You can't, you can't have it both ways, capitalists. So if I can't work a 40 hour week and pay rent and utilities and groceries and maybe be able to afford a movie once in a while or a beer, then that, that's a system that's, you know, that's faulty. Uh, and uh, what are your just your comment on that? So, so you're you're saying, uh, so you, you, I guess, what your premise is is that the United States is a capitalist country. Is that am I understanding your premise? Hello, Lance, are you there, buddy? Lance, <laughs> are you there? Is your is your premise that America is a capitalist nation? All right. Well, let, let, let's okay. So, because Lance isn't there um, or is not answering, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, a, a bit of uh, I guess latitude here. I'm gonna assume he is saying that America is a capitalist nation. America is not a capitalist nation. It it, it, it has never been a capitalist nation by totally definition. Is. It's a corporate oligarchy, a, co- a corporate capitalist oligarchy. The corporations own it. The capitalists Lance, own this country. They own the politics. I'm, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish because what you're doing is what you're doing is approaching this from a Keynesian perspective. Keynesian perspective versus Austrian perspective is non-compatible. Now, when we talk about the history of money, the history of money has to be this: when you see decentralized hard money, which is saleable over time, space, and scales, which is the absolute definition of hard money, then what you have is expansion of the, uh, the human condition into you know, new realms that have never been seen in innovation. What you have never had in the United States is a decentralized government in money, period. You've never had that. You've always had a centralization of government and money and banks together. That is, that is exactly what we have in America. Now, is there maybe some more freedom and latitude uh, where people were able to uh, more freely trade with each other? Sure, but it's not been free of force and coercion. It has not been free of taxation. It has not been free uh, from the draconian overreach from the government. And so to, to label the American system a capitalist system is absolutely you know, not not true to, to begin with. The, 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 so all the corporate people that the go on the revolving door are separate from government. That's not government when it's like people go in and out of uh, high tech. They go, you know, and they go to MSNBC and then they go to, you know, and they go from the military industrial complex into government and out of government. So that's not the same thing, right? Government's government and corporate's a corporate. Come on, it's the same thing. It's a revolving no, door. And, and, and that, that's what I. That's what I'm telling you. You have you have this thing called the aristocratic combination. That's what the anti-federalists called it. They called it the aristocratic combination. These are all the same people. They're all brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and husbands and wives. The same people who are all mm-hmm. in the elite, uh, you know, places. And and I totally agree with you. what I'm saying is is they control the money. 
when you have a capital society, nobody controls the money. The money is, is, is uh, like the gold. For instance, when gold was decentralized, that's when you had the more capitalist societies. And so what you have is a, a continuum. How capitalist can you be versus you know, how draconian can you be? And this is where people really need to go back to the drawing board and study because people don't get taught about Austrian economics. When you look at decentralized gold over the past, those civilizations have lifted humankind over and over and over again because they had a hard asset that was uh, inflation-proof for the most part. You had an asset that was movable over space. Gold, physical gold was movable over space. So that's the second which, uh, you know, characteristic which makes hard money. And thirdly, it scales. Can you chop a, a gold coin down? Can you take a bit of, of gold? Of course you can. So time, space, and scales is what makes hard money. That is not the definition of what we have in America. We have a Keynesian fiat system that unpegged from gold, that confiscated gold, that centralized gold, and controlled money. That's the system that America has. So your premise okay. that America is a capitalist nation is absolutely false. Well, okay, so... Wait, wait, Lance, Lance, Lance real quick. Well, real I want quick. to ask a question, Jay. Lance, what? you can. You can. Hold on one second. Real quick. I'm going to make this really simple. We are supposed to be a capitalist country. We do not operate that way. If you think about all these board of directors and stuff, they're a part of a lot of different things that has to do with the government. Um, the government, whenever the government says something, first of all, here's the best example. Um, when you're paying income tax directly at your paycheck, these companies decided to do that. They they have decided that, okay, the government says this, so we're going to fall in line. When you have small businesses and mom and pop Joe stuff, you know, when you're talking about all these um, uh, minimum wage and things like that, all these different rules they make, all these regulations, who comes on top? The big corporations. They are all, they're big government entities, but they call themselves corporations. We have to realize that these corporations are basically um, government entities because as soon as Ukraine stuff popped up, all of them were changed. Oh, okay, not even just Ukraine. The, the Whenever there's the whole uh, LGBT stuff, they change their profile pictures. They're all for BLM. All of yeah. them are doing that because they're all government entities. So we they were supposed to have a capitalist country. We're not supposed right. to have monopolies, but we, right. we have, have allowed to have monopolies. So we don't have it, but we're supposed to have it. Right, right, right. We I, we agree. We agree. Now, here's a question. I don't. I really don't know the answer to this, but uh, there's there's Scandinavia. There's the rest of Europe. And Austria, do they have universal health care and like, you know, guaranteed paid vacation and minimum wage, you know, in Austria like they do in most of Europe? Um, I'm not I'm not real sure um, on that, but let, I mean, OK, last so question. Just, and, and, and then Shane, I'm going to run. Shane, to, Shane and Lance. Yeah, yeah, brief question. So I know she, I know I, she has to leave. Wait, 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 Lance. I, don't, I want you to come back. I have to mute you. Shane, please go ahead and answer that question real quick. Um, and you have yeah, to so, run. Shane, Shane yeah. will be back. Let's just let's just take it as uh, you know from a, a combat vet who's had to use the VA. The VA is a single payer system. In America, if you think you want a single payer system like the VA that can't help one percent of the population, uh, I've got real news for you. If they expand that to ninety nine percent more of the population, you're going to hate your health care. You're going to dread going to the doctor if you can see one. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a one size fits all pill factory. 
So what they're going to do is pump you full of pills. You're going to get more pills when your body doesn't act right anymore. Like if you're constipated and then you're going to get depressed and then they're going to put you in on antidepressants. And what a lot of guys do is they go and they blow their brains out on the steps of the VA to send a final message to show people exactly how bad the VA system is. So if you think you want universal health care, by all means, go. You know, I, I, I guarantee you, go to Europe and, and, and sit in those lines. Go to Canada and sit in those lines. You know, don't worry about dental because that's not part of universal health care because why would dental health be part of it? I'm telling you right now, like, if that's the comparison between first world countries that can't defend themselves in Europe because they don't have guns from Russia and they need the United States, uh, there's a reason why, you know, America doesn't have universal health care. It's because we can't afford it. You want to you go broke real fast? Um, that's the way to do it. But, Donnie, hey, I appreciate yes, how you going. Um, I appreciate I appreciate you. He'll be back, you guys. Um, take care of your family. How you, you know, that's a man right there. Um, I'll say some closing Please, statements, too. You. Appreciate you. Um, I'll say some closing things. I've talked to people who are in countries um, who have uh, universal health care and things like that. There's a line of you have to wait a long time to be seen. And a lot of times these doctors don't get paid any money. So they go to another country because they, they're not getting paid where they're at. So, Cole, you came back up. I'll bring you back up again. And then we're going to close out our anthem unless we have some more people who want to come up and talk. But after Cole, if no one else comes back up, we're going to put the anthem on and possibly go on spaces later on. We'll see. Uh, but Cole, please go ahead. Um, the God is out. All churches mean to wake up. We are so sleeping on churches, guys. And we need to wake up, encourage people at our churches, register and vote. Because we need to, because we got more voters outside of church than registered voters outside of church than in church. And, and people. God, we got all these God-given rights and everything, and we are tossing them in the garbage if we keep going this way. Did something to change our faces. Take any other stance on stuff, and take it as like the. Our singing talks right here. Thank you so much, Cole. Um, so we're going to close out our anthem. But also up tomorrow, uh, Bryson Gray is coming on. Um, we're going to talk about the culture uh, with Bryson Gray tomorrow in the next episode. Let me... Uh, I think I have a description for it. Let me make sure I have a description for it, you guys, real quick. If not, I'm going to add one. 
But tomorrow, Bryson Gray is supposed to be live with us. It's the culture war with uh, Bryson Gray. The culture war is important. Does good or evil win is up to us to decide, but we'll only win with God. Um, join Bryson Gray in the community to discuss it. So tomorrow, Bryson Gray, the um, rap artist, uh, who's a Christian rap artist, uh, conservative rap artist, um, who has been dominating um, the Billboard charts, even though he talks about God. And I'm quite sure they're probably doing their best to suppress his voice and everything. You know, Spotify has censored his stuff. YouTube censors his stuff. But the fact that he can still make billboards, it means we're fighting back. We're fighting back. So he'll be on the show tomorrow. Make, sh- make sure all y'all are here. Make sure y'all share it. Support Bryson on here. Um, like I said, Shane, we'll be back. Um, th- you know, this has been over an hour. This probably is the longest episode we've ever had, you guys. But I think it's great. And again, I want to I appreciate Darius, Steve, Robert, Cole, um, Wonderless, Ice Judge, Just, Corey, IMO, and other people I can't see right now. Um, that y'all keep coming back. 7.30 p.m., Monday through Friday, we're going to have a show. If Bryson Gray, for some reason, cannot come tomorrow, we're still going to have a show. So I will see y'all tomorrow. Let's go ahead and close out this anthem. And we will hop back in spaces here in a few minutes. But I love you guys. God bless you. Good night. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into The Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property. Be free.